This episode of Dear Hank and John is brought to you by Blue Land. Did you know that uh, about 5 billion, billion? That's a de- I checked that because that's a lot. Plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away every year. And if that's not bad enough, most cleaning formulas are 90% water, which is heavy. We're shipping around all this water using fuel when we don't have to. Every year, Americans throw away 25% more trash from Thanksgiving to New Year. This year, maybe turn the New Year's resolution into action that makes a difference by switching to Blue Land. Blue Land is on a mission to eliminate single-use plastic by reinventing cleaning essentials to be better for you and the planet with the same powerful clean you're used to. It's a simple idea. They have refillable cleaning products. They have a nice design. I have them in my home. It looks nice on your counter. You fill the reusable bottles with water, drop in the Blue Land tablets, wait for them to dissolve, and you never have to grab bulky, heavy cleaning supplies on your grocery run ever again. And refills, because they're small and you don't have to ship a bunch of water across the country, starts at just $2.25. You can even set up a subscription or buy in bulk for additional savings. From cleaning sprays to hand soap, toilet bowl cleaner, and laundry tablets, Laundry tablets, everybody, you know what I mean. All Blue Land products are made with clean ingredients that you can feel good about. Blue Land is trusted in over a million homes, including, yeah, mine. Blue Land has a special offer for listeners right now. You can get 15% off your first order by going to blueland.com slash dearhank. You won't want to miss it. Blueland.com slash dearhank for 15% off. Again, blueland.com slash dearhank to get 15% off. Dear Hank and John. Or as I prefer to think of it, Dear John and Hank. Sorry, I'm a little slow on the uptake because I'm stressed out. I know. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, did you hear that the Pfizer vaccine has been approved uh, not just for emergency use, but just as a normal medicine now? Unfortunately, Eminem still can't get it. Why is that? Because he only gets one shot. Oh, I mean, alternately, it could have been Alexander Hamilton. There's been a lot of people who only got one shot over the years oh. and who did not want to throw it away. Yeah. Well, I thought, I think Alexander Hamilton got several shots. He just didn't throw any of them away. Uh, arguably. Or was it his one shot? Well, 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 look, I'm not an expert in Hamilton. All I know is that um, <laughs> the line is, I'm not throwing away my shot, not I'm not throwing away my multiple shots. So it's true. I'm not throwing my shots. Anyway, yeah. however many shots you need, please get them. Yes. I'm done with this whole situation. I'm also done with um, having my old YouTube account that I used to upload private family videos to hacked. That has, yeah. has really been a day ruiner. And I'll tell you one thing it's, I'm not. It, I'm not it's per- such a pain. And one thing I'm not particularly sympathetic to at the moment is the hackers uh-huh. um, relentless reminders that he is a good guy, which is the phrase he keeps using. <laughs> Look, I could have done so much worse than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is his perspective. He's like, I'm a good guy because yeah. I could have done something worse. And my perspective is uh-huh. that like the real good guys. Right, that's true of every bad guy. The real Every bad guy could have been worse. The real good guys don't generally brag about being good guys to people they've just hacked. <laughs> Oh God! It's not the first time that we've had a situation like like that. Though the the last the, the last time it happened, they were gooder than this guy. 
uh, where they only left comments as us yeah. rather than making private videos public. Yeah. I mean, they did apologize for it. Um, yeah. Anyway, I let's talk about something else because I haven't been able to do anything else all day, which has been very frustrating because like I um, obviously like this person didn't necessarily know about my my week schedule when they decided to hack me at 5:30 in the morning on a Monday. <laughs> but if I but like if I could Now now everything is late. Yeah, if I could Everything for the rest of the week is late. If I could have picked a week to be hacked, it would not be the week of right. my birthday and 17 other deadlines. So, yeah. But you know what, Hank, you don't um get to choose if you get hurt in this world, but you do have some say in who hurts you, specifically I should have turned on two-factor authentication in that 15-year-old <laughs> YouTube channel. John, um, congratulations on being a 44-year-old. What's it like? Tell me so that I can get ready in the future. That's not great. I'll be honest. I, this is the first birthday. <laughs> you get hacked. First thing, first thing, you get hacked. Is, Everybody, when they turn 44. This is the first birthday I've had where I, like, for some reason, it didn't bother me at all to turn 40 or to turn 42. Those both seemed like the ages of young people. And But this birthday is the first one where I've, like, mm. felt that thing that all humans feel. And it's so cliche. Like, one of, one of my big problems, actually, with getting older is that um, all the cliches are true. You know, that, like, the, the the stupid things people say that are uninteresting and extremely superficial nonetheless do happen to you and like do occur to you and you do think those things. And I really dislike like having to have thoughts about myself and the universe that are super cliche <laughs> and obvious. Like, so I'm, I, I, yeah, I'm not having it. I'm, I'll be honest. It's not the worst mm -hmm. birthday I've had because yeah. Like a lot of people, I turned 13 once, but <laughs> it's the worst birthday I've had in a while. Like I, oh. I no, I, I, I think like it's, it's my second pandemic birthday and I was kind of, I was kind of hoping I was only going to have one. And yeah. I, I think I might have a third pandemic birthday. So it could be, I have also, um, because I've known people who are currently my age who have died. Um, I, of like, of things, like not like, yeah. like, uh, not like accidents, but of diseases. I mean, I know people who are, who are my age who've, who've died of COVID. Yes. Um, I have gotten to the point now where I am, I am thinking about more, my mortality, like maybe the amount that you did when you were at 13. Oh yeah. And it's a lot, it's a lot. It's like double or triple what it was 10 years ago. And, you know, not multiple times uh, a day, but maybe multiple times a week. Do I think like, oh God, it would be really inconvenient for everyone around if I kicked it. Especially if you kicked it before signing that will. It's, we're really close. Great. We're really close. We've, I, we are basic, basically, he's just get, getting the papers drawn up. I know that this has been a multi-year joke here on the podcast, but it is also a multi-year uh, series of mistakes I have made where I'm I was just like, say, <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to say it's a multi-year process and no, I want to encourage not. all of our listeners that it, it just isn't. It doesn't take that long <laughs> unless, unless you just stop answering emails for months and months at a time. Yeah. I have noticed that yeah. you have that habit, Hank. Like there are basically two kinds of emails that you get from Hank Green. One is Within 30 seconds of sending an email to him, you get a reply. Yeah. And the other is six six months later. That's that's the one you want. And the yep. 
the best <laughs> thing about the one that is six months later, because Hank and I correspond a fair amount and we're CC'd on a lot of the same uh-huh. emails, is that when you get one six months later, you also get like 42 others. So you know exactly <laughs> how much time Hank put into the email because you yeah. get one email and then four minutes later, you get a second email. And then two minutes after that, you get a third email. Yeah. And I, you should really use the like snooze or whatever system on Hank. So, oh, I shouldn't say that we use lest someone hack me. Please don't <laughs> hack people. Like even if you can, don't. Can I tell you about my most successful hacking, John? As a child, I hacked. I hacked oh, a, a website. I'm gonna be so mad. I'm already. I, I. I. I'm already mad. You with you with your gray hat on. What is your gray hat <laughs> hacking story, Hank? That where you can portray yourself as as a hero by retroactively fitting your ideology not. to to no, to, to was, your urges. It was more. Um, I I considered myself a a a a, a kind of. Um, chaotic good agent um or chaotic neutral let's not use any good okay i i ran the mars web ring when i was in high school i remember it was huge do you remember do you remember what web rings were of course that was like where you would basically advertise other people's websites that were also about mars and they would advertise yours via a ring right and so you could like quick click there was like arrows and several people would have the web ring yeah. thing at the bottom of the website. And then you click click the right arrow and you'd go to another website about the same topic. And this was before search engines were any good. So if you wanted to be like into dogs, you could be in, like in the dog web ring. You'd be on a website about dogs at the bottom. It's like, oh, I want to see another website about dogs. I'll click the, the arrow and go to the next one. Yeah. Um, it was also in the days when websites ended, you know, so you'd get to the end <laughs> of the website and you'd be like, oh, I, I'm not done. Yeah. Be, I need I need, I need to be distracted yeah. more. I, I, is there another is there a- website? And it turned... <laughs> It turns out that there was. Yeah, yeah though then, you could you could reach the end of the of the ring as well. Like there is. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you could. I I mean, like back then, Yahoo had an index of all the webs of like yeah. all the websites that were at least indexed on Yahoo, and uh-huh. like you could you, you could do all of them. You know, like if if you really tried, like you could have gotten to the end of the internet in 1994, 1995. Yeah. So uh, that was around when I ran the Mars Web Ring, and uh, and part of that is that I for some reason had access to the uh the database of all of everybody's login information which was not encrypted um mm. and so i it it was it was almost as if i had intentionally created the mars web ring in order to just get access to people's login information and so if they used the same login information for the mars web ring that they did for their like ftp server i could go on their ftp servers and so um to a few different Mars websites. I put Marvin the Martian, uh, just photoshopped him into the images, like random images on the site so that Marvin the Martian would suddenly appear and people would be like, what happened? And then they would change it back and then I would put him back just so that they knew that the world was a goofy place. Not goofy, dangerous. A, a place where your own information is not is never safe, yeah. and where there is no uh, privacy, and privacy is a complete illusion. Yeah, and humans aren't even allowed to have uh, private thoughts that disagree with the social order, lest uh, they get exposed via a hack. So yeah. Anyway, welcome to I. I kind of I was like, man, this dystopia is going to suck in fifty years, but it turns out it already sucks. Yeah. 
It's not great. Hank, the only thing that can improve my mood is reading questions from our listeners, which, by the way, I can only do for probably the first 20 minutes of the podcast because I thought I had a computer charger here, but I don't. And my computer's going to run out of battery. <laughs> okay, well, so I'll, I got I'll ask the first few questions. <laughs> okay. This first question comes from Emily, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I recently had an encounter with a desert stink beetle in my home. And in my sheer panic, I told myself, it's more scared of you than you are of it. What's something that we are more scared of than it is of us? I have a good answer, Emily. It's surveillance capitalism. <laughs> it's not scared of us at all. No. Yeah, no, there's many. There are many things that uh, do not have any emotions at all um, that I am very afraid of. And they are they are they. I, in fact, I'm afraid of some of many human emotions um, more than they are yeah, afraid of yeah. me and my own self. Even my own emotions, I'm often more afraid of Wait, them. whoa, whoa. You're telling me that you're more afraid of you than you are of you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the point I was trying I to get at. I think you misunderstood the question. <laughs> I mean, that's deep. That's real deep. And it it's too deep. I can't handle that level of depth right now. I can't go, I can't go there today. Uh-huh. Are there animals, hey, oh, sure. non-human animals, that mm-hmm. we are more scared of than they are scared of us? I think the answer is a definite yes. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! I, I mean, almost anything bigger than us. Um, well, any of the larger crocodilians, John. Yeah. Uh, I think probably. Do, uh, I think maybe as a maybe maybe if their moms and their kids are nearby, they might be a little bit anxious, but like not scared. I. I I'm and also my fear of them is very high, so that threshold is is high. Yeah. Yeah. I also feel extremely afraid of alligators, like a lot of kids who grew up in Florida. Mm -hmm. And I think it's mostly a rational fear. Like, I don't I don't want to get into the debate about whether animals have souls. Mm -hmm. But one thing I know for a dead certain fact (laughs) is that alligators don't have souls. Like if you look if I. I mean, Hank, you've looked an alligator in the eye, right? I mean, there is, there's nothing there, man. There's, there's nothing there. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, well, look, that's, that's your take and you can have it. We're going to get, we're going to get so from, many emails from people who have like pet alligators so who are like, my alligator yeah. cuddles with me at night. Uh-huh. And when I feel sad, my alligator like crawls over and, and yeah. gives me a, a little polite bite on the tip of the nose. But no, I, yeah, my opinion is that every animal has a soul. Okay. Except except for many reptiles. <laughs> but not all. I I every experience I've ever had with a constrictor, I have been more afraid of it than it is of me. I can I can guarantee that. I know that I shouldn't be afraid. I know that these are these are animals that have been trained to behave well around people, and yet when they are on me, I'm like I really don't want to have to pull that thing off of my face. I think I'm more afraid of most people than they are of me. Well, you know that's because I mean? you're you. Like, yeah, yeah. I think like I think if I walk into any bar, which first off, that's not 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 going to happen been right a while. now. But uh, assume a world where I walk into a bar and everybody turns to me. Mm-hmm. I I think everybody in that bar is less afraid of me than I am of them. <laughs> Like yeah. Well, yeah, that's person. yeah. So you've asked the wrong person. 
um, Emily. I think that I, think that we, I, I might be the better. I, I, I might be the better brother to ask. Llamas, I, I, llamas. I am so afraid of, and I can't tell you why. It's just the way that they look at me. But they do not seem at all shy around me. Yeah, now that I think about it, Hank, I think that stink bug might be less afraid of oh, me definitely. than I am of it. Yeah, like, absolutely. Because, uh, yeah. That stink bug is good. That stink bug isn't worried about me. It's thinking about other stuff. Yeah. Stink bug stuff. Yeah, there's a spider. Actually, living I, just, in, living a, and dying. I just saw a spider on my ceiling, and I am definitely more afraid of it than it is of me because it doesn't even know I'm here. Ah! Am I, ah, at, the, am I ah, at the very ah, bottom of the fear pyramid? Am I like, am I the lowest rung? You've just been lied to the whole time. It turns out you are more afraid of ev- everything than it is of you. Of the fearsome pyramid. Is that possible that I'm I'm at the very bottom, the last, it's, yeah. last creature on earth, the most afraid? No, squirrels. I am the... Su- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there are squirrels that are more afraid of me. Oh, uh-huh. God. You know, Hank, I was feeling so bad, and I was in such a bad mood, and then I remembered my all-time favorite Onion headline, last moments of roadkill squirrel frantic, comma, indecisive. <laughs> <laughs> I like to remember that because almost all of my decisions under stress are also frantic and indecisive. Oh, God. I've man, I've also had a stressful start to the week, John. Oh, and good. I, I done. I didn't even done with it. I didn't even ask you how your week was because I was in. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, John Land. I'll confess to being a little self-absorbed right now. Um, how was? Why is your week stressful? Oh, it's just begun, not, Hank. It's like we're we're any, thirty minutes into it. It's just it's like normal like business contract stuff, John. The stuff that I don't talk about in public because it is both extremely unrelatable and boring. Oh God, it is so boring. (laughs) But it's important. All right, Hank, I'm going to ask you another question. And this one is also of real interest to me. It comes from Rachel who writes, Dear John and Hank, often when I get spam text messages, they're addressed to Cameron. This Mm. happens even if they're from different numbers. Mm. But my name is Rachel. Mm. None of my family or friends are named Cameron. Who is Cameron. Have I been renamed by the spam text gods without my knowledge? Please help Rachel. Or is it Cameron? Uh, Well, you may be Cameron or Cameron, some person named Cameron either mistyped or intentionally wrote the wrong phone number when signing up for a service that Cameron knew was likely to result in a great deal of spam. Well, Hank, it's funny you should say that because... (laughs) In the last 24 hours, uh-huh. I have received, I will read you two of the text, the spam text messages I have received in the last 24 hours. Text number one, William, <gasps> we accidentally surcharged your phone bill last month. Please, your reimbursement here. Now, I did not. Now, let me read you another one. Now, I, let me read you another one. I got to get there. Hank. No. <laughs> No, I did not. I don't even know your phone number. We're up against our our big end-of-month deadline and falling behind on the grassroots support needed to fully mobilize. They, oh, I, I promise. Well, I am both I, William and Hank, so <laughs> Rachel I Cameron promise. and I have something in common. Uh, yeah, you and Rachel have something in common, and you're saying I and Cameron have something in common. <laughs> That's John, right. John, I literally don't. Know if I could tell you your phone number. 
Well, I don't think you have to tell me my phone number. I think you just had to tell one spammer my phone number. You just had to know my phone number on a day when you were being asked if you wanted to join a mailing list and you thought, no, I don't. And then you were like, What's whatever the shall I do? I can think of? No, I would just do my number with one number changed. That's and then I, that's how you get a Cameron situation with some stranger, not me. Okay, Look, well, this I mean, is I, fascinating though. This is fascinating that somehow they have they have gotten confused between the two of us. So like there is there is some like look, we operate in a lot of the same spaces on the internet. They just got confused in whatever data gathering system they used. Hey William, our big sale this weekend starts Thursday with hundreds of items marked up to 50% off. That's another text message I received this, this week. Weird. That sounds. Where, where's that from? Is that local to Indianapolis? Because no, no, it was. It, it, I, I'm not going to click the link, Hank. <laughs> I already got hacked this week. <laughs> they didn't tell you what company it even was. You have to click the link to find out where the sale is. Hank, because you have used Venmo for over a year, please claim your $200 gift card from We. From We? And then I was able to. Yeah, I was able to put together that that they meant us, but <laughs> they wrote we, which is one of the ways I know that that probably isn't from Venmo. Wow, that is weird. Again, I did not click that link. Yeah. Yeah. So Rachel, Cameron, we are in the same boat. And I think we're in the same boat for the same mm-hmm. reason, which is that Hank shared our phone number against our will. <laughs> That's what I do. I do it to Rachel. I do it to John. I do it to everybody. It's look. I got to earn money somehow, John. <laughs> You're just selling just selling phone numbers to, to people with really poor grammar. All right, Hank, let's answer another question. I've still got some computer power, so it's on me. Ava writes, Dear John and Hank, could one of you please explain why Jeff Bezos can't give everyone a billion dollars? Because to me, it seems like that would work. But I'm not very good at math. <laughs> this is a great question, Ava. Okay. And there is like a lot of confusion about this, to be fair. Like there are a lot of people saying that there are individuals on earth who could end world hunger Mm -hmm. or who could end poverty. And this is in no way to take away uh, the unmet obligations that the richest people in the world, I think, have to um, the communities that have so massively enriched them. Mm -hmm. But Jeff Bezos is very, very wealthy, but he could only make 200 people billionaires. Yeah, right. And for that matter, he could only make he could only give a million dollars to 200,000 people. Now, it's a lot, that's of, people. A lot of people. Yeah, it's a lot of millions of dollars, uh-huh. more millions of dollars than probably anyone should have. But it is less than 0.1 percent of the population of the United States. So if Jeff Bezos gave out all of his wealth in an equal way to everyone living on earth. Mm-hmm. Everyone would get about 30 bucks. So in is in essence, we've all given Jeff Bezos, we've all given one man $30, which is a lot. I would argue that it's a little bit too much. Um <laughs> and I would like to reclaim some of it in the form of uh taxation. Yes. Let's move on. <laughs> John, this next question comes from Olivia, who asks, Dear Hank and John, since plants and trees create oxygen, I've accepted that as true, even though I don't really understand it. Is there less oxygen where plants don't grow, like deserts or the tundra? Love ya, Olivia. Nice. It's good. Uh, I didn't get it until I said it. The air, air moves around real good. 
air air moves around real good and fast and there are like there are places where you can see elevated concentrations and, and they do this like you can see like cool maps that nasa has that show the different concentrations of different molecules moving around the earth um particularly because we pay a lot of attention to where oxygen is generated because it means that carbon is captured usually when that's happening um uh, but the, it it doesn't take long for it to get spread out pretty good because there's wind. Mostly there's wind. There's all these like pressure dynamics where hot air at the surface floats up to the where it's cold and um, and that causes all kinds of wild perturbations of the atmosphere and then you have Coriolis effects and stuff that give it a good. It basically uh, there's the Earth is just a giant cocktail shaker and the uh, just like. When you're mixing a drink, all the gin gets spread out. The oxygen's getting spread out too. Luck, luckily, otherwise there would be some places on Earth where you'd be like, ah, suddenly I can't breathe too good. I mean, we'd also have a bunch of other problems if there was no wind. Yeah, yeah, it'd be huge. In fact, on the space station where there is no wind, uh, this will actually happen. Uh, they, people can exhale a bubble of carbon dioxide around them, and they start to get really stuffy and sort of uncomfortably. Um, uh, deprived of oxygen, and so they uh, astronauts on the space station will have fans in their little sleepy cubbies to make sure that the air gets circulated. That reminds me, actually, that the final, uh, I, I think, at least for now, episode of the Anthropocene Reviewed has just come out as this podcast is being uploaded. It is about the first work of art made from outer space in March of 1965 oh. by the cosmonaut Alexei Lanov. And if you want to learn way more about that space mission, Voskhod 2, and the drawing of an orbital sunrise that has become very important to me, you can listen to the Anthropocene Reviewed wherever you get your podcast provided that you can figure out how to spell it, which I can't even after all this time. (laughs) But yeah, it's a wild story, Hank. Um, The first art made in space very nearly stayed in space. Oh, Mm, well, that's a good teaser. Yeah, I uh, poured everything I had into that one. Um, I was just thinking about why why we make art and what we give up to make it, and we give up a lot sometimes. Hmm. All right, Hank, here's another question. It's from Becca. She writes, Dear John and Hank, a few days ago I posted on Facebook asking if anyone had a high chair I could use for my five-month-old. My host mother that I had stayed with in 2015 replied that she had one I could have and asked if I wanted her to drop it off this weekend. The only thing is she lives in Scotland and I live in Wisconsin. (laughs) How do I reply? Asked if I wanted her to drop it off this weekend. I think you say, yes, I would love for you to drop it off this weekend. That would be lovely. Thank I'd you. I'd just like to see you. Thanks for offering to make the trip. Why, why don't I swing by, actually? Oh, no. Because, no, frankly. <laughs> no, I think you let them make the trip. Although, I'm not sure right now okay. you even can make that trip necessarily. But that's what I would say. I would say, great. Um, bring it on over. I'm free all day Saturday. <laughs> I'll be here. And if you could bring me some, if you could bring me some scotch, too, that would be fantastic. Yeah, and maybe some haggis and perhaps some 19th century golf clubs. I don't really know what Scotland yeah, has. Well, here's here's what you want, John. You want iron, iron brew. brew. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember when we went to Scotland, Hank, like the first time we went like professionally and we toured in Scotland and everybody wanted us yeah. to drink iron brew. And I uh-huh. I did drink it. And I think it's wonderful when a community has 
pride in its uh-huh. drink. Yep. The way that Waco, Texas has Dr. Pepper, the way that Atlanta has Coca-Cola, Scotland has Iron Brew. There, there, there's just the one problem, right? Like, we don't have to say it out loud. We don't have to. The physical reaction. We, we don't have to. Okay. Yeah. I, look, I don't, I don't mind the taste. It makes my stomach feel very bad. Oh my god! Yeah. I don't know if. Oh. I, I mean, it, it, it. Yeah, it tastes fine on the tongue, but then, like, coming back up four minutes later, it's not great. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, so just say, I'd love for you to come by Wisconsin. P.S. I live in Wisconsin now, <laughs> so you may not be able yeah. to come. Just but it's clarity. lovely to hear from you. It's a chance to reconnect, hopefully. There it is. It's a chance to reconnect and, and say, hey, I know that it'll be hard to ship the high chair, but can you please ship the iron brew and, uh, and whatever those good chips they have there are? And some tea, because we have terrible tea here in America. I think that it's the amount of orange food coloring in Iron Brew that's the issue because I kind of get a similar stomach ache when I drink Fanta or Orange Crush. I get the same. Yeah, actually. Yeah. And I get it. For, I definitely get it from Mountain Dew, too. No, I can drink Mountain Dew all day. Oh, my, my tummy. Oh, wait. Are you, are you, wait, are you talking about moonshine? <laughs> the stuff that you, where you put like a $50 bill on a tree stump and come yeah. back the next day, that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. They call it that good old Mountain Dew and then that refuse it or few, yeah. I believe is the, yeah. the couplet. Oh gosh. What I want is some pork pies. Really? Sorry. Now that's the stuff right there. You should come. I mean, by the way, Hank, AFC Wimbledon have, have a new stadium where there are yeah. plenty of savory pies available. Oh, so I love a savory pie. Do they have mm. any vegetarian? Because I'm trying to eat less meat. I don't know. Well, that maybe misses the whole point. I haven't been able to go. So right. I, I will true. report back when I am able to. Anyway, that reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by Iron Brew. Iron mm. Brew. It's it's Scottish. It's kind of it's like a Heavily caffeinated Fanta. This podcast is also brought to you by the larger crocodilians. The larger, the larger crocodilians. They are less afraid of you than you are of them. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Cameron. Cameron, also known as Hank. <laughs> That's not me. And this podcast is also brought to you by Alexei Leonoff, the first person to create art in space. And apparently it almost didn't make it back to Earth, but we're not going to find out why until we listen to the most recent episode of The Anthropocene Reviewed. Also, the first person, we're really uh, heavily selling this free podcast. <laughs> well, look, we should probably we should probably be selling uh, The Anthropocene Reviewed book available wherever fine books are sold. Ah. But Alexei Leonov no. <laughs> also did the first spacewalk. In fact, he did the first spacewalk oh, wow. about five minutes before he made the first art from space. Whoa. Yeah. Like he got back in and he started doing art or he did it when he was in the space? He got back in and he started doing art um, to calm himself down because he almost died while he was out there. Ooh. Yeah. That's, that sounds unpleasant. It was a, it was a, the Vosco 2 was a little bit of a stressful mission, Hank. Um, so nice anyway. remember that there are, there are, there are harder things than getting hacked. Like almost dying in space. Yeah, uh, I mean, to be fair, Alexei Leonov, just to be clear, made a choice to go to space. Like, he didn't have to become an astronaut. <laughs> you didn't have to start a YouTube channel. We also have a Project for Awesome message from Nikki Satterland in Wisconsin. Nikki writes, Hi, John and Hank. So much of my views on humanity, the universe, and my place in it come from this community. And it strikes me as weird that this can be the case when you don't know me. 
Not bad, just weird. Our worlds are colliding for a brief moment, and now I don't know what to say. Perhaps archipelago. Oh, that's a fun word. Thank you. Archipelago. Thank you, Nikki. It is a fun word. And I've always wanted to live in an or yeah. on, around. I've always wanted to live on or around yeah, an archipelago. In, in an archipelago. Yeah. If as long I could, as there's like a good grocery store. I feel I, I feel like I would have been very happy living by the ocean. <laughs> but I would have been much less productive. And in the end, I made a great first line of a of a novel, John. I made the just start right yeah, there. Well, I'll 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 get to that. Okay. <laughs> I'll I'll put aside what I'm working on and focus on I feel like I could have been very happy living by the ocean, which is actually now that I've said it a second time, not that good of a first line for a novel. I like it. I like it. Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius, because there will be a world without us. So we all know there are things in life that you have to compromise on, but there are two things that you shouldn't compromise on. One is name brand Dr. Pepper. The off-brand stuff just doesn't hit the same. And another is, of course, your health. So don't go back to that one doctor who uses your appointment to catch up on the latest headlines or their family group chat or the crossword puzzles just because they're available right now or take your slightly sketchy insurance. Instead, check out ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, and insurance. So literally, no compromises here because with ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. And the typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between 24 and 72 hours. So go to ZocDoc.com slash DearHank and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash DearHank. ZocDoc.com slash Dear Hank. Hank, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I want to ask this question from Greta, who writes, Dear John and Hank, by the way, shout out to my computer for lasting this whole time on 5% battery. Yeah. 
Greta writes, Dear John and Hank, I've seen movies where people start fires using magnifying glasses, question mark, question mark. I'm a generally anxious person, and thus whenever I'm wearing my glasses outside, I imagine the sun <laughs> beaming through them and burning either myself or a plant. Oh, gosh. Is this possible and why? Autocorrect <laughs> thinks... This is a great name-specific sign-off. Autocorrect thinks I'm great, Greta. <laughs> <laughs> that must feel good yeah uh people can't write your name without thinking how great you are you get a lot of text messages for great yeah hi great um, since you spent two hundred dollars with venmo this month <laughs> oh gosh i like that greta is worried about burning their own eyes or a plant yeah <laughs> Well, those are the two things to worry about, really. Like, you don't want to accidentally yeah. start a forest fire because your glasses have such high magnification. I am alive to uh -huh. that that concern. And then also, you don't want to burn yourself. So, Hank, yes. can I start a fire with my glasses? Uh, you can, but not accidentally. Okay. So, your glasses are not designed to uh, focus light in the same way as a magnifying glass. You can absolutely start a fire with a magnifying glass. And if you leave a magnifying glass like sitting the wrong way in a house, you can burn stuff. And so you got to be careful about that. Like if the if there's a big steady beam of light coming in and you just got really unlucky, then that absolutely can happen. But uh, glasses, eyeglasses, unless they're very like like very, very strong, I don't think even at any angle could... Um, could concentrate light that much. But in general, because they're not designed to concentrate light, they're designed to bend it a little bit to correct for the, you know, deformations in your eye eyeball lens. But you can, um, if you uh, if, if you really need to, one of the things I have read is that you can put a drop of water on your eyeglasses and you can use that as a way to uh, sort of m like magnify the magnification and then mm. maybe you could use your eyeglasses to start a fire. But look, my plan is if I am in the woods and I need to start a fire uh, to look back at my past and to say, what giant mistake did I make in order to get here? Because <laughs> it does not seem like something that would happen to me. How did I, how did I get here without a lighter? Um, and, and for that matter, how did I get here? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it's funny that our father is such a camper and fire builder uh -huh. and backpacker yeah. and, you know, mm -hmm. like lived in a root cellar in New Hampshire for nine months without interacting with anybody. <laughs> Just eating, eating bird food. Yeah. And, and we like cannot, cannot stomach the thought of sleeping in a tent for a single oh night. Oh my God. I'm done with that stage of my life. I, last <laughs> time I slept in a tent. I don't know, maybe, I don't know, five, six years ago, I would felt so bad the next day. Oh. It hurt so much. Yeah. No, it's it's not for <sighs> me. Meanwhile, our father slept in a tent like four nights ago. <laughs> he you did. Know? And he's significantly yeah. older than we are. And yet. Yeah, as you might guess. And yet, yeah. you know, he was able to like sleep in a tent, wake up in the morning and like go hike another 10 miles and then sleep in a tent, wake up in the morning. I, it's He's made of different stuff. Yeah. Now, Hank, I feel like I've been going first with the news from AFC Wimbledon of late, just because it, it's the start of the season. You've it's been so, so exciting. Yeah. Uh huh. But let's let's let you start this time. Well, um, 
China's uh, rover, the Zhirong rover, has finished its primary mission on Mars on August 15th. It completed 90 souls on the Utopia Planitia. So it's been there for, that's 90 Martian days. So mm. three Martian months, I guess. What is time? But in that time, it's uh, driven across the landscape. It's studied some different features. It's made sure that all the scientific experiments are in order, taken some selfies, sent back 10 gigabytes of scientific data. And that was the plan for what it was supposed to do. But it is still operational and uh, it will continue traveling and studying different areas of Mars while the orbiter that was part of the mission, the Tianwen-1, uh, does a global survey of the planet. And from mid-September to October, the rover will have to go into safe mode because of a solar conjunction where the sun is in between us and the Mars. Mm-hmm. And the Mars. Yeah. <laughs> and so we can't talk to it. Right. Um, and uh, But when that's over, the scientists behind Zhirong plan to send it towards a groove-like feature that's about a mile away. So it's mm. going to go on a little a little journey. So it's finished its primary mission, but it is still operational, which is great news. And it's going to keep doing science there on the red planet. Can you do a global survey of a non-Earth globe? What do you mean, John? Well, you said you just you just answered your question. I guess I guess you can, right? Like if it's it's glob- a globe. If it's, it's not an Earth, it's it's just got to be a glob. It's glo- globular. It's got to yeah. As long as it's globular, that enough. seems that seems wrong. I'm gonna Google globular and find out if that's wrong. Well, no, that's that is wrong. But it is globe? No, it it's globe shaped or spherical. That is what, exactly what <gasps> globular means. Really? Yes. That's not what I think of when I think of globular at all. Me neither, because globular proteins do not look like Earth to me. But whatever, that no, is what globby. globular means. I. Mm. You know, we started out this podcast on a low and we're ending it on a high with me doing, knowing the definition of globular. <laughs> the news from AFC Wimbledon is discouraging, but oh. also encouraging. So okay. very frustratingly, uh, midweek we played Gillingham or possibly Gillingham. Scientists are still debating mm-hmm. what the town is called. And we were up 1-0 with like three seconds left in the game when Gillingham or Gillingham scored an equalizer on a ridiculous deflected shot that was just like pure sheer stupid luck and what are you going to do? And then we played Sunderland away from home and, you know, Sunderland are expected to probably win the league this year, although they've been expected to win the league for the last few years and haven't managed to. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're very good, and they have a much higher budget than we do. And we were definitely not as good as them. Like, watching the game, I was like, (laughs) Sunderland are are better. But we were in the game, in the whole game. And I think it would have been a nil-nil draw, except for another ridiculous, you know, once-in-a-blue-moon deflected shot that just happened to bounce the right way and go into the goal. So we mm. lost that game and we tied the previous game, which means which means that after four league games, AFC Wimbledon have five points. You get three points for a win, one point for a draw. So we've had one win and two draws and one loss. I mean, if we keep that basic number the same all through the season, we'll be fine. And that'll be great. Yeah. And I would be very happy. Well, especially when that when that Gilling Gillingham game was was should it, by all rights should have yeah, been a win. It was very winnable. It seemed very winnable to me. So yeah, you had sixteen shots to their five. Yeah, we outplayed them. But then Sunderland, I mean, really did just play us off off the pitch. It felt like to me well, that, that'll happen. 
so we'll see. Well, you know, I I still feel really encouraged though. Like Ayuba Saul is incredible. I mean, he might be the best player in all of League One. He's just incredible. He's at some point clubs in higher leagues will will recognize that he's incredible Notice. and he, he will yeah. no longer be an AFC Wimbledon player. Uh-huh. But for right now, yeah. he is he's something special. So it's a joy to watch him. And in general, like, you know, the way that they're playing is much more entertaining and fun to watch than in previous seasons. So hopefully that'll also lead to some good results down the road. All right. Sweet. Well, I'm looking forward to them continuing to play good sports and you getting over there to have some fish and chips and meat pies at Plow Lane, John. Oh, I can't I'd love wait. to come with you, Ethan. I can't wait. Thanks for making a podcast with me. If you want to send us uh, questions, you can do that. We are at hankandjohn at gmail.com, a email address that is unhackable. I challenge any hacker no, to come. No, and- no, 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 no. <laughs> it's... No, definitely. God, <laughs> please, wrong, just wrong please, please just don't, you know, like, yeah. just this is just because you can do something uh-huh. doesn't mean you should. Yeah, gosh, that took me a while to learn. We're off to record our Patreon only podcast this week in stuff. Uh, you can find more, out more about that at patreon.com slash Dear Hank and John. This podcast is edited by Joseph Tuna Medish. It's produced by Rosiana Hulse Rojas. Our communications coordinator is Julia Bloom. Our editorial assistant is Tabuki Chakravarti. The music you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by the great Gunnarola. And as they say in our hometown, don't, don't forget, forget to be awesome. awesome.